Like all the ceremonial stuff uh-huh. with the robes and the yeah. fire and I signed a non-disclosure account and the daggers. Yep, all the all the business. Yeah, I can't say anything about it. Good, good, good. <laughs> Learning to keep secrets is part of belonging to a secret society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a secret society if you tell people about it. Mm-hmm. Listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we're going to spoil. But first, we talk about Recently Watched, which we try not to spoil. And uh, Will's not with us this time, so the spoiling is easier to avoid. (laughs) Will just blurts things out. He's got, like, Tourette's for spoilers. You know what? I'll do my best. I'll take take the place. I'll step up. Yeah, blurt some things out. (laughs) Um, Will gives spoiler warnings after he's... Yeah, <laughs> done <those> spoiling. <laughs> he does. Uh, what do I normally say next? Uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that intro creature feature song. Um, you can find their music on Apple Music or Amazon, where you can buy it digitally, or say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. We're not professional critics. We don't claim to be. We're just your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Ziggy. Hi. Welcome back, and Jolian. I'm a sea pig. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's my favorite part of that movie. So, Ziggy, welcome back. Uh, for listeners who have stayed listening, they may know that you've been on several episodes, but you went off to college. Yes. And you're back from college. Yep. You're back in Denver. In the dry not, state of Colorado. Not Hawaii. <laughs> no ocean or no. good seafood. Oh, man. It's such <laughs> so a different world. So hard to world. be me. So hard. <laughs> hey, listen, I can sympathize. I lived there for four and a half years. I got used to all the bounty that it provides as a state. Yeah. Obviously, miss family and friends and places here, but um, yeah, really love it there. It's great. So uh, what have you been studying? Surfing. Um, (laughs) I actually haven't been. I'm planning on learning to surf. My dad and I went on one lesson and I was terrible at it. Um, And that was longboards, right? I, I think so. The easier of the two boards? I, yes. I don't know. I sucked. It was bad, and I got all bruised up, but it was really fun. Um, no, for school, I'm my major is creative media, which is technically film. Um, it's just, like, a fancy name for it. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have any, like, really specific classes this semester. It was mostly just, like, film studies 100, kind of. Um but my teachers were really great, and so I got to, like, get more readings and things for more information, and it was really, like, informative. Gave me a vocabulary to talk about things, which is really nice. Um, you yeah. Got, yeah, you got to have your chops. Yeah, right? Um, again, it's the elitism. We, we love it. Art school, film school. Um, yeah, I'm a monster now. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, if you know what you're talking about, it really you can just chill somebody like a head of lettuce if mm-hmm. they start to try and uh, spar with you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's been fun. Learned a lot of cool things. Watched a lot of movies. Um, yeah. Did you watch anything for any college classes that surprised you pleasantly or unpleasantly? Um, hmm. Yeah, we watched... Um, we watched Hot Fuzz, which I didn't think I'd like hmm. very much, um, but I actually really loved it. And for that week, we were studying like editing and like cutting rhythm for scenes. Yeah. And so like looking at it technically, it was really cool. Um, loved that one. Um, you you own it. I knew that you had seen it. Yeah. So I messaged you about that. Um, did you what did we watch? Did you go into that kind of informed by having seen Wicker Man, the original? No. Not the far improved Nicolas Cage version, <laughs> but the. <laughs> No, I don't think so. <laughs> the crappy British movie. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. Um, it it uh, pays a lot of homage, wouldn't you say, Julian? Mm-hmm. Like kind of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to be really surprised, like retroactively surprised <laughs> by the <laughs> yeah, source check material. That out. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool when uh, people who just have an authentic love for that sort of thing, you know, put it into their movies, which isn't a surprise because, you know, they did the same thing with Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, I had seen that one yeah. um, a while ago. So I'm like fuzzy on the details, but watching Hot Fuzz, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, loved that. We did that for like editing, which really surprised me. I thought maybe we would do it for like comedy or satire because mm-hmm. we had a week, but we did for satire. We did some movie with Will Ferrell where they're NASCAR drivers. Oh, Talladega Nights? Yes, that uh, one. Have not seen it. It was definitely a Will Ferrell comedy. Um, yeah. Kind of satire for either America as a whole or about like the American South. Mm-hmm. Um, we had like readings on it, but that was the last film we viewed in the semester. So I didn't pay that much attention. You left it on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really <laughs> academic viewing happening. Now, uh, there's something... The, because you mentioned the rhythm of, of cutting a yeah. movie that explains the dark side of Oz for anyone who wonders about like dark side of the moon, wizard of Oz mashup that mm. you can do mm-hmm. because the, um, the length of a song and, and the rhythm of a song, uh, especially in context of an album can really sort of mirror, uh, the same thing with a movie. Like a movie can have scenes, or important parts of scenes that are approximately the same length and a similar rhythm. Yeah. And I think that's just a lot of coincidence packed into, you know, the 50 or so minutes that Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd has that just happens to match a bunch of stuff in Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I have never heard of that before. You've never heard of no this no. thing I'm talking about? No. Oh, my. Wait till you jump into that. I'm like... A Gen Z baby. I don't. I don't know things. Yeah, but you know, I would. I'm just gonna say I. I was subjected to a lot of crap that predated my days. <laughs> so many cowboy movies were on the TV all the time. I've seen a lot of cowboy movies. So I many watched war Tombstone movies. recently. Oh, yeah. Don't like war movies, but Tombstone is good. Yeah, but I mean, old, corny westerns There's... were always on TV. Always. There's a Western book series. I cannot remember what it's called, but in middle school, I had a friend whose mother was reading it to her every night. And so anytime I slept over, I'd have to go to sleep to this like cowboy book Mm -hmm. that was like really 
boring. Put me right to bed, but it was like just really Western. I was like, okay. I was in mm. like the third grade. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll uh, expose you to some stuff from before your time that maybe will, you know, inform other stuff that you're going to be forced to watch. <laughs> yeah, more 80 slashers. I'll take them. I'll take them. Hey, 80 slashers can be very fun. Yes. I love a slasher. We know this. So, um, should we start the recently watched? Julian, do you want to kick it off and then we'll... Well, I, I'll just mention a couple of books. Uh, Please. I contributed to that I just got my copies off. So Cowboys and Monsters, Vampires and Mummies and Werewolves of the Wild West. Oh, man. Um, I thought you might like to read that because you're into like oh, yeah. uh, presidential assassination theories. Yes. <laughs> you can't assassinate a president in this country without having a conspiracy theory tumble out. With werewolves yeah. and... You can't, you can't attempt it or succeed at it. So in this case, it's mummies. Mm-hmm. With, okay. uh, so the assassin of uh, Lincoln was John Wilkes Booth, although there's probably other theories. A well-known mummy. Um, yes. <laughs> and Abraham you laugh Lincoln now. was a vampire hunter. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh now. but um, So one of the uh, things that came out of that was um, uh, there was a theory that they just shot a fugitive and then Booth went on to live elsewhere, including as a barman. Hmm. Uh, similarly to uh, Jack the Ripper, who ended up as a barman in Arizona, if you believe some stories. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so it, this this uh, book has a chapter about uh, uh, this person who claimed to be John Wilkes Booth. Um, he uh, attempted suicide a couple of times using arsenic, and uh, arsenic was used as a preservative in... Uh, embalming mm-hmm. um eventually that was discontinued because it covered up the evidence of people who'd been poisoned by arsenic mm-hmm. anyway um so he uh he eventually killed himself with arsenic and uh and he was fairly well preserved and so uh people started uh, displaying the mummy um very interesting yeah back in the day uh carnivals would have you know they had their sideshows and they'd usually have wax replicas of various outlaws mm-hmm. and things but uh, so they had this actual mummy of uh, this uh, supposed John Wilkes Booth, and uh, yeah, that got passed around quite a bit. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, but there's a, there's another out, outlaw in there um, who uh, he was this really incompetent outlaw, uh, Elmer McCurdy or something. But he'd like learned about explosives in the army. And then uh, he, uh, he he got this gang together and they'd go to banks and he'd rig the explosives and he'd blow it up and it would destroy all the money as well. Oh. So <laughs> it didn't last very oh, no. long. And uh, he <laughs> eventually they did this train robbery and there was like, a, there was uh, one car had tons of money on it, uh, but they rob, robbed the wrong car. So they got away with almost nothing. So that's great. <laughs> he went back to this farm and uh, hit the bottle and uh, they found him like just uh, boozed out of his head. And uh, so he was, um, uh, so he, he was killed and, and the, uh, his mummy went on tour and was passed around various carnivals. So uh, um, ended up, um, it was put in a warehouse for decades and then uh, this job lot of uh, uh, dummies and so on were, were sold to this uh, carnival in California. And um, 
during the 70s they were shooting an episode of the six million dollar man <laughs> <laughs> and one of the crew was like pushing the, the mannequins out of the way and one of the mannequins its arm dropped off and they noticed there was like tissue inside gross oh man <laughs> oh gosh so they realized it was this outlaw and uh, uh you know, they man- managed to identify him because he had this uh, ticket stub put in his mouth. Oh, wow. From one of the carnivals that he'd been exhibited at. And uh, so they gave him a proper burial in Boot Hill in, in Oklahoma, I think. Wow. That is crazy. <laughs> but anyway, there's lots of stories like okay. that in that book. It's, uh, it's good stuff. And some actual werewolves, I hope? Yeah, there's werewolves and uh, mostly uh, skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm doing... Um, his his next set of books he's doing because he got so many stories from old newspapers about vampires mummies werewolves of the old west that he's doing a separate book for each one and then so i'm doing this like triple cover uh so each book is going to focus on a different creature cool i'm going to insert some werewolf sounds here the yeah. girls are fighting <laughs> and then the other book i got speaking of halloween oh, oh man Look the, at, uh, is it a coloring book halloween <laughs> art book it's already been coloured in, so it saves you the effort. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, so I, I just contributed one to that. Oh, wow. What, oh, page really you, what, cool. what page are you on? Uh, one, two, three. Speaking nice. of. Oh, that's easy. But, uh, yeah, there's good stuff in there. But, uh, yeah, have, have, a, have a borrow of that. Oh, yeah. This is fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking at this instead of, uh, instead of talking. <laughs> but uh, So, so... Uh, Wow. Um, yeah. Nice work. Very nice. Yeah, that one's called Bob. <laughs> because it's, uh, do you get it? Yeah, because that's when he does the head, head right, tilt. Right, right. And we're getting Bob's POV where his knife is sticking out of his yeah, chest. Yeah, that's it. Nice. So it's a Bob POV. <laughs> and your page got a so full cool. bleed. And uh-huh. for listeners who don't know what that means, that means the print goes all the way to the edge of the page. So nice. No border. Really cool. That's some good work. So how many times did you see uh, Five Scream Cream? <laughs> I've seen it cream. twice. Um, I saw it for my birthday with um, a friend. I moved out um, just before my birthday. Like, my family flew home the day before. And so <laughs> that weekend I went with a friend. So were they like, good luck getting the cake? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it was nice. We, like, went to dinner um, beforehand. But, yeah, we do usually do like certain traditions on birthdays. So it was a little sad, um, but it was a good opportunity to make friends because I was like, listen, you don't know me very well, but it's my birthday. We're going to see a movie. <laughs> um, yeah, saw it in theaters. Uh, it was great. Um, and then I watched it again recently um, while I was dog sitting because they had a really big TV. Um, yep. So does it hold up? Is it a good continuation? It, yeah, it is. I think that, it's it's a good continuation. I think that it's cringy because of its like satirical self-awareness. But I think that also if I had seen it like 20 years in the future, I'd be like, wow, this was so self-aware, which is exactly how I am with the original Scream. So there might be some insight there where like when it comes out, it's like, this is stupid and obvious. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. There's talk of making a sixth one because mm-hmm. of a character in the fourth one that lived and was really good. Um, I think that we can stop. I think we can be done. You're done with the screen. Um, if anything, we could get the stabs because you know how in the Scream universe oh, they yeah, make the yes. movies. We could get stabs or like a series, but I I don't really think we need any more. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I would pull the plug, but I liked it a lot. Um, I really loved a lot of the actors. Um, so yeah, I've seen it twice. <laughs> the suits always are like, let's go back to the well. Yeah. Um, it's like it's something no. fails. They wait just two or three years or mm-hmm. whatever. And then let's go back to the well again. It's so weird. <laughs> if you listen to, um, what is that podcast? Best movies never made. I think mm-hmm. it's called, you know, you'll, you'll hear a bunch of, uh, screenwriters talking about what they submitted or what they were privy to that was submitted for like a possible, you know, next movie. And sometimes it'll be the one that didn't get made. And then the one that, that did get made was a piece Mm -hmm. of garbage. And you think, wow, this one they're describing sounds so cool. Yes. (laughs) Yet they chose something else instead, which everyone hated or was just resoundingly disappointing. Yeah. Was that it for your recently? Oh no, I, I haven't even got to the movies. Okay, yet. <laughs> let's go to the movies. All right. Uh, I wish Will were here. <laughs> There's a movie that he's got to see: New York Ninja. No insult oh. to you, no, but New okay. York Ninja would be right up his alley. It's just a classic of bad movie. It's so this is um this fellow named John Liu, who's who's also the lead actor and um. So he he, uh, he put together this this film in 1984, and then they ran out of money, so it just went into canisters. And then uh, Vinegar Syndrome, the distribution company, picked up a bunch of uh, film stuff from this bankrupt uh, company, and uh, amongst them with all these unedited reels with no sound on them, there was no script. Um, <laughs> so, but they you know they realized they had this this New York Ninja movie so they edited it themselves and then they had uh, various 80s action stars do the dubbing of the <laughs> nice. characters so they got Don the Dragon Wilson to do uh, John Liu uh, Michael Berryman you know from the Hills mm-hmm. of Eyes mm-hmm. um, Cynthia Rothrock Linnea Quigley um, Ginger Lynn um, you know so they're doing the dubbing with these, these characters wow um but it's this. So they're not in the movie. They're no, just the no. voices. They're that... just doing the voices oh, for this wow. 1984 movie. Nice. But it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's such fun. It, oh, I was laughing so much. Uh, John Liu is really sincere, and he's he's good at his his stunts and stuff. Uh, he tends to do fights standing on one leg. You know, like he stands on his left foot and then just kicks everyone. <laughs> oh, <so> okay. Cool. <laughs> everyone has to run up to him to get kicked. Yeah, uh, well, they're they're pretty well done. This is like really low budget. They had, apparently they had like one hundred dollars for special effects. <laughs> um, but yeah, and they didn't know who was going to turn up to work on the film day to day. So, so all the bad guys, uh, all the street gangs wear masks. Oh, good. So that they can just interchange them all. And, yeah, nice. like Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, there's always inventive ways of getting around it, and uh, but it's, they're just hysterical performances in it. Uh, it's uh, it's really funny. Yeah, New York Ninja. I, I really hope we'll we all get to see that. I think if we buy a copy of it, you know, yeah, he'll end up seeing it whether he wants to or not. Um, I watched the new Matrix Matrix mm-hmm. rehash. Yeah, have you seen that one? Yes. My dad's a big Matrix fan, and I like the first one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I liked it. Mm-hmm. Mid. Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, I. 
didn't really like the the villains and the show or the movie had been like marketed as being more about trinity and then you watch it and you're like it's still about neo yeah mm-hmm. um but they did a lot of like graphically cool effects things with like mirrors and like the dimensions and stuff and that was really cool it was like an entertaining watch i'd probably yeah. watch it again if somebody wanted to see it but it's not like on my top 10 no yeah i found a lot of it was just redoing the what you saw in the first mm-hmm. movie and yeah i like jessica henwick i'll watch her in anything but uh, yeah, it's like there's tons of exposition. There's there appears to be this new kind of uh, like bullet time that the bad guy uses. Yeah. And it's just for the purpose of him being able to cram in more exposition. Yeah. <laughs> mm, the scene. Nice. Um, all right, watched uh, a film noir called Highway Three Hundred One from nineteen fifty, uh, starring Steve Cochran, who's this very sexy gangster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia Gray is in it. Uh, it's about the tri-state gang. Um, it's uh, yeah. It, it starts off with all these endorsements by various politicians about how this is going to teach you about crime doesn't pay, and yeah. then it goes into this movie, and you've got these really sexy gangsters, and they're like getting away with it for so long. Yeah, living the high life. Yeah, driving in the fancy cars. <laughs> Um, you know, they're powerful, they've got agency, and, you know, they're not like ordinary saps, and then you're supposed to think, yeah. oh, crime doesn't pay. And they yeah. get, you know, most of them get killed by the end of it. but <laughs> Pays for a little bit. Kind of undermines it. Um, I saw this uh, documentary from 2018 called Yellowface. Have you seen that one? Um, so this is about the history of Asian Americans in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think it was that good a documentary. I was disappointed <laughs> in it. Um it goes into, you know, it's got like anime Wong and Susue Hayakawa from the 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it goes into the, um, you know, the concentration camps of the 40s. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think it, it doesn't mention Bruce Lee. That's weird. Not even mentioned. That is really weird. Uh, I would have thought uh, martial arts would be massive part of you know a, a, a new phase of uh stereotyping right in uh of asian americans in, in america and then uh, you've got american film great examples of miscasting mm-hmm. like uh john wayne as uh yeah genghis khan oh, yeah they do that they do so that's basically the the idea is that yellow face you've got like a Catherine hepburn and um david carradine uh they don't mention him they do marlon brando uh um uh, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name. Ghost in the Shell. Um, Black oh. the name. Um, uh, she's the Black Widow. Oh, Scarlett. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, yeah. So they they mention those, and then it ends up with a plug for uh, uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Um, okay. I had a week in school about Asian Americans and Asians in film. And we watched Crazy Rich Asians, but we talked a lot about, like, Yellow Peril and, like, the villainizing of, like, Asian figures in, like, films um, and how, like, it changes from, like, a physical, like, violent threat to, like, economic. Um, so, yes, I know what you're talking about. I, f- I feel yeah. very smart now. Yes. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, various phases. Like, there was the Yellow Peril, so you had, and out that you you get, like, Fu Manchu. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in the... 20s and 30s you start to get like the super smart asian stereotypes uh who are on the side of 
law. So you mm-hmm. get Charlie Chan and Mr. Moto. And the model minority pops up there. Yeah, uh, yeah, the model minority, and then and then um, and then you get the rehabilitation of the Japanese immediately after the war. They switch from being like these bestial villains to being uh, oh, they're, they're so sweet and look how exotic they are. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then in the you know, in the 60s and 70s, you get the the you know the uh, the new stereotype of the martial arts heroes and um, so on. So, um, yeah, um, it's, it's worth watching. It's only an hour or so long. So you go through the variety of ways that Hollywood gets it wrong. Yes. <laughs> it's like, let's overcorrect it and really screw it up in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. I, I like watching these these documentaries about, <laughs> uh, you know, how, how, how you had to pick out representation. Yeah. Like there, there's like a, what's the one about Pink Hollywood? But it's like how how uh, like uh, if you're growing up gay, you had to uh, find heroes, and you'd have to look at films in a subversive way to pick out. Oh, queer coding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's interesting stuff. Um, Mondo Bizarro, which is one of those Mondo documentaries from the '60s, um, it's really boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, hidden cameras in dressing rooms, uh, oriental massage. There's another one. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it purports to be filmed secretly in Tokyo or Kyoto, but it, it's no, it's, it's some set. It's in clearly Los not. Angeles. Uh, yeah, it's really bad. Um, Don't answer the phone, which is like a. It's it was made around '79, so it kind of gets lumped in with slashes, but it's. It's not. It's not. It's really sleazy. Uh, it's uh, It's got this uh, amazing performance by Nicholas Worth um, as this strangler guy. He's this Nam vet um, strangler guy, and, and uh, it's, it's it's really bizarre tonally because his stuff is like uh, strange and sleazy and you feel unclean <laughs> and then it goes to the cops <laughs> and the cops are stupid and comical and uh is is you know if you wonder what, what you're supposed to think of this right um which is you know fair enough i don't like to be told what to think um and a spanish movie called bloody sect from 1982 uh this is really bizarre um crazy it's kind of a uh, rosemary's baby sort of thing um it's uh <laughs> um there's this uh, uh is husband the husband is he's got his alcohol his crazy wife locked up in the attic i think this is all in spanish there's no subtitles oh. she's locked up in the attic uh she gets out stabs him in the eyes and therefore <clears throat> he is impotent yeah because you know medically the eyes related to being able to have babies um she his new wife ends up at some clinic which has been infiltrated by satanists and they're using the sperm of satan to bring about the antichrist i might be wrong on these details Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but it seems heavily implied yeah okay um this has got a scene with rubber bats in it. And sometimes you see rubber bats and you're like, oh, that's so fakey. Mm-hmm. This film, I thought, oh, she's just walked into a mobile of rubber bats. Because there's, there's just these 
rubber bats in, you know, brightly lit, hanging on strings, just <laughs> bouncing around. I thought, oh, she's just walked into some child's mobile. But then there's like always squeaking and fast editing of it. And I thought, oh, they're meant to be real bats. Uh. <laughs> it was the worst rubber bat scene I've ever seen. Wow. And then it ends up with this, um, there's this uh, <clears throat> demon baby gets born. And the demon baby's played by this plastic doll. Wow. With, with yeah. horns stuck on its forehead. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, it was awesome. It's so convincing. Bloody sect. <laughs> That's great. Is that the end of the recently yep, watched? Yep, yep. Ziggy, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. What have you um, watched lately? Um, so I saw X, the oh, A twenty four movie. Mm-hmm. Um have either of you seen that? No, I want to. No. It's good. Um, it is good. I I took a girl to see it on a date and that was a mistake no but it is a good movie i just do <laughs> yeah it was just the misstep so um pro tip don't do that um but it's good it's stylistically really cool i won't spoil anything because you want to see it um i thought it was like an interesting like exploration of like voyeurism and like youth if you wanted to go in like the metaphorical direction because a24 loves to do that mm-hmm. um it was entertaining the, it, there's a lot of sex and a lot of weird sex um i probably wouldn't watch it again i would read about it but i wouldn't watch it again um i saw the northman mm. loved that it's mm-hmm. absolutely epic um i went to see it with um my friend because um every monday we were watching like two or three episodes of true blood and um alexander skarsgård he plays Eric in True Blood. Is the best. Yeah, yes. he's, he's great in True Blood. <laughs> yeah, kills it, sells it, absolutely. Um, so we went to see it, and we loved it. It um, technically isn't horror, I guess, but it is the guy that did The Witch. Yeah, Robert Eggers. Yes. Um, absolutely Rogue? loved that movie. I'm planning on buying it, especially so I can read it. There is a lot of like quiet talking and heavy accents, so it's kind of hard to pick up in theaters. Um, and Anya Taylor-Joy does fantastic as well Mm -hmm. um and then i watched a couple french movies um that i think you gave me i watched eyes with no face which i thought was super cool love the effects um i can't say that i gave it my undivided attention mostly because it wasn't in english so i couldn't like multitask um (laughs) i'd like catch myself trying to like do things but no 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 you gotta read put the phone down yes i gotta read um but I liked that one. I watched uh, Diabolique. Oh, I think yeah. I said that kind of right. That was great. Um, Ooh, that'll come into play when we talk <laughs> about yes, tonight's movie, won't it? Will. it? Yeah. I did that on purpose. Um, Word. I thought that one was really fun. There was a remake oh, yes, in yeah. Isabella like, 2000s yeah. or 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on my list. I haven't seen that yet. I watched um, Carnival of Souls, which right. I thought was good. I thought the imagery was creepy, and that was kind of like the best part. Um I found that one a little boring. And then um, Dad and I are watching the show called Yellow Jackets, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um, yep. Absolutely loving that. Um, I haven't started Stranger Things 4 yet, but um, I will be soon. I'm really excited because it came out like, what, three days ago? I just found out yesterday that it had come out. I've been waiting so long. Um, a bunch of commercials were like hinting and I went, okay, well, if if they're like... Yeah, it's coming out at some point. The Stranger Things Slurpee commercial comes yeah, out, yeah. you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, so we're re-watching the show with my sister because she's 11. Um, and therefore allowed to see it now? We just decided that it's like maybe 
like she can handle it and we want we're in season two so she could handle season one but um I've had friends that have started season four and they say that like they stepped up the horror like really leaned into like the creepy and the gory good so I have to watch it now well because good except Moxie can't see it so oh come on it might be a little much like I have friends being like I'm scared so (laughs) um so I'm gonna check that out um I've been reading a lot of like weird unhinged feminist theory like books um I recently read one about this girl who's trying to use prescription meds to sleep through a whole year and it reads very much like um the intro in Fight Club where he's like you do this and then you do this and you wake up here um but it's long and she hates men (laughs) um now I'm reading a book um it's called A Certain Hunger and it's about a food journalist so it's like a critique of like foodie culture Mm -hmm. um but she also like kills and eats men um so it's got like a Hannibal angle as well sure um and I'm reading another one that's about some girl who just like snaps at some point I guess um but her thinking is pretty pretty messed up um so I'm like taking breaks from that to watch reality tv (laughs) so do you read feminist theory books for your course um yeah I've been trying to I took a gender and sexuality class um that I really hated my teacher and she made us read her book, which would have been okay, oh. except her book was written so badly. I don't think she had an editor. <laughs> wow. Uh, it was, oh yeah, she was awful. Um, but in my film class, when we did our week on gender, particularly like feminism in film, we got readings and a couple of them were like academic journals. And so I went ahead and asked her for like the full things. Um, and anytime we talk about like any, like, themed week in that class, I was very, like, bringing it back to, like, feminist theory and queer theory. Those are, like, my main two, um, like, interests. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to read more about that. Um, I'm going to be taking more specific classes in fall, so hopefully that can um, help. I want to take, there's, like, a feminist theory class, but it's, like, a level three or 400, so you have to kind of get there, um, and I think that's kind of it for my recently watched. Oh, um, I watched Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, you like it? Oh, yeah, I loved it. I don't have religious trauma, though. My family has never been like involved <laughs> with any religious organization. Yeah, they've kept so, you pretty distant from that. Yeah, so I was missing a lot of the things. Like, I talked to a friend who grew up religious and hated it, and she was talking about how, like, certain things just, like, cut her really deep, and, was like, there were a lot of hidden things. I was like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, but I mean, it was good. I really like that's Mike Flanagan, right? That's right. the director. Yeah, I loved Hill House and Bly Manor. He also did Oculus, which is like a movie. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it on the show. Oh, with, I love that movie. You know, you and I agree on like I I liked it. Mm-hmm. I had fun with it. I, yeah. I recognize some of its flaws. Oh, for sure, Jolie, and I think you generally dislike it that's probably the one i like most of his Mm -hmm. okay i think i liked his ouija too Mm -hmm. will hated hated oculus yeah (laughs) fair enough i can see how it's like not for everybody it's not um because you know the the solution at the beginning of the movie is really simple but mm -hmm. you know oh yeah they have to swallow a big stupid pill to yeah 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 Um, no, but I love that movie and Mike Flanagan really loves to like punch you in the gut with his like endings. Right. Um, so yeah, that was, that was really good. Yeah. 
And then he makes Doctor sleep. Yes, I did. Um, I choose to forget that. <laughs> right. Um, maybe, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I just, I choose not to acknowledge that. I was talking about this movie recently with somebody who was reading the book. And she was saying that she loved it. And I was like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> you, like, I have my opinions, but I also know facts and you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> some some things are factually, objectively bad. Yeah. And people who champion those things are factually, objectively wrong. Mm, I don't know. Maybe she's trying to be cool and like different, but you no. Know, some people will <laughs> some people will pick an underdog thing or a, mm-hmm. a wrong thing to champion. I, I do believe that happens with some people. Maybe. And, <laughs> it seems that way. But yeah, that's it for me. Okay. For me, and, and I'll keep it quick. Um, I was uh, visiting my mom and uh, my, my sister and her family in Florida, which was weird for me. I flew into <laughs> Orlando and then it was, I don't know, another 30, 40 minutes from there. And uh, it's kind of on the Atlantic side. So you could see all the space launches going on and all that, you know, like the satellites being launched and junk. Um, it's, you know, like the middle of May and it's already just like ridiculously hot and humid and all that stuff. So everybody just, hang, yeah, everyone hangs out in the, in the, uh, yeah, yeah. It snowed in Denver while I was gone. Um, but everybody just hangs out in the AC when they can. And, uh, so you end up watching some movies um, one of them I watched while I was there was Zulu because my mom and her guy are older, you know, they're around 80. So they like watching some old stuff once in a while, you know? So, uh, this is a 1964 movie that, uh, I was like, that looks and sounds like a very young Michael K- That's Michael Caine. So mm-hmm. he was in it. Uh, this movie stars Stanley Barker, Jack Hawkins, Ula Jacobson, James Booth and the aforementioned Michael Caine narration by Richard Burton. Um, I was, th- I was really braced for this to be very racist and stupid, which it um, managed to not be strangely. Okay. Um, I was surprised. Yeah. They made that one in Zulu Dawn. Oh, did they? There yeah. was another one. Um, and the tribe worked with them mm-hmm. really well. It seemed uh, they weren't um, stereotyped or, uh, they weren't made victims in the movie. They were they were shown to be as brave as they actually were as warriors, and so that was pretty interesting. And then, of course, there's a, a nice uh, twist at the end where you know the tribe does something you don't expect. But it's basically um, late 1800s, like 18, 1879. Um, there's a uh, <clears throat> um, there's a defeat of a British column at the hands of the Zulus. And, uh, after this battle, the, um, they're, they're going to regroup and go at it again, it seems. And this is that story. Yeah. Is it, is that really scary siege? Yes. Yeah. There's it's a siege horror. <laughs> really it is. And, and so I kind of recommend, you know, like when you want to see something and I, this is probably in Technicolor from what I saw, I don't know this for a fact, but it had that. At least it was very saturated it was British, film stock. It was probably Eastman color. Okay, but that was what Hammer was using. But whatever they were shooting, it just it was pretty saturated. Uh, very good looking color film. Uh, this was released in uh, January of '64. So, uh, anyone wants to uh, you know see something of that era that manages to not be a racist piece of garbage, it's pretty good. 
<laughs> and then I picked one because I thought everyone's going to want to see something that maybe they've forgotten or haven't seen. So I picked the um, 1984 John Carpenter film Starman. Mm. This stars um, Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen. And uh, she is a grieving widow who's up at their lake house or some sort of cabin. Uh, I think it's in Wisconsin. And she's just drinking a whole mess of wine, watching some home movies back when people would shoot on actual film and just kind of like, you know, drowning her sorrows. And some crazy thing happens outside. Big white flash, some explosion, something cuckoo. And uh, while she's kind of passed out, this glowing little ball comes in and cruises around the cabin, flips through the scrapbook, finds a lock of his hair, kind of, you know, fiddles with that. And then um, next thing you know, there's a, a thing over here and it's glowing and it's growing. And uh, all of a sudden there's a, a, like a little person and she wakes up thinking, wow, how much of that wine did I drink? <laughs> and this person continues to grow and it becomes a naked Jeff Bridges. And uh, so this would have been post King Kong, pre the Big Lebowski. Jeff Bridges, like real sweet spot for him to do some partial nudity <laughs> if he's going to do it. <laughs> no big hairy belly or anything. He's, just, he's really fit. You know, just a you know great actor who, who he's portraying an alien intelligence uh, that in the form of like an energy ball that has taken a physical form it doesn't know much about and is very clumsy. And um, of course, it came across our space station with the gold disc with all the different greetings in the different languages. And of course has picked up just that much language, but is starting to this, this guy, this alien guy is starting to pick up more of what's going on around him. He's from a far advanced civilization, so it doesn't take him long to figure some stuff out, <laughs> but there's also some stuff that's just not going to make sense. Cause we as a species are kind of a mess, especially in America. So, um, this is the adventure where she's sort of uh, at first like wanting to get away from this guy, but then she realizes that maybe she needs to help him because of course in a 1980s movie, there's going to be the military coming to get him uh -huh. because they saw where the crash happened. And of course they kind of figure the trajectory of where that craft was going. Maybe it was going to end up, you know, with that speed and that trajectory, it's going to end up maybe there and they're not wrong. That's where they're heading is for this rendezvous point for him to be rescued. And that's, that's the adventure that they set out on is to get him from where they are to where he needs to be. And of course, um, he learns some stuff about being human, like rednecks suck. Apple pie is awesome. Um, things like that. Really good movie. Yeah. The basics. It. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you've got, um, just some really great people working on this movie. Yeah, really. And I was surprised that it didn't make a lot of money because this should have gotten, it only made on top of its $24 million budget. It only made um, a total of 29 or about 29 million, 28.7. Uh, well worth watching again, if you haven't watched it in a while. So I watched a few episodes of love, death and robots. I'm just going to say it's really good bunch of different animation teams on each episode it seems that's my assumption and uh, we finished up watching season two of the flight attendant which uh, 
if you haven't seen, that's that's a fun adventure and a lot of comedy involved. And a couple episodes of uh, Cursed Films Season 2. And uh, this covered, of course, um, oh, goodness, uh, Wizard of Oz and I forget what the other one was I watched. But in any event, it's it's good stuff. Uh, it doesn't get so deep that you can't stand it. It goes in depth just enough to where you might learn a thing or two. But it's not one of those things where it's like, I know more than the idiots that made this. <laughs> That's always the worst thing like this to watch. Anywho, Ziggy, you're in a sorority now. I am. I am an Alpha Gamma Delta. Alpha Gamma Delta. Yep, I'm an Alpha Gam. Alpha Gams. <laughs> uh, what are Alpha Gammas known for? Um, Betty White was in our sorority. What? Yep, that's probably the biggest thing. Wow. Yeah. That is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did she go? No clue. I just know that she was in it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm in the Delta Sigma chapter, which is the Hawaii chapter. Do you know how many chapters you have? Um, no, there's a lot and we are Panhellenic and international. So we have some chapters in Canada as well. So technically international, though, I think that Canada is pretty close. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what got you sort of in the mindset that I should check into this whole... (laughs) (laughs) sorority thing Um, the greek system sounds great to me let's do this so sororities notoriously get a bad rap um sometimes for good reason (laughs) sometimes for good reason but most of like like every major sorority like archetype or trope that i've seen in movies i haven't met in real life really except for like maybe a dumb blonde here or there no offense ladies (laughs) um I don't know. As a kid, I saw, um, like, Legally Blonde, and I was like, it's going to be me. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I just always wanted to be in a sorority. I think that, well, okay, moreover, I wanted to be a sorority girl. I think there's a certain appeal to being, like, a member of, like, you know, a sorority when you're you're young. Um, So were you looking forward to the camaraderie? Yeah, for me, it really is a community thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the friends that I have in the sorority. And I love that the the things that we do, like we do Greek week, and we have fundraisers. And um, we had like um, an Easter lunch. That was really great. Um, We do like beach cleanups and stuff for philanthropy and like sandwich making. Um, And so it really is a lot of fun. And it is really community based. For me, it's um. Like when you when you make friends, there's like um, a period where you're both like feeling each other out, you know, but when you're in a sorority, you just assume that for this like two hours that you're hanging out, you already know each other. Mm-hmm. So it's very like skipping the like nice to meet you pleasantries. And it's just like, oh, OK, we're going out. Are you coming? Um, and that's really nice. There is a certain element of like performance to it. You know, sorority girls are peppy and very, you know, pro sorority. Mm hmm. But that's very surface. We have we have our secret meetings and, you know, we have our systems of communication and everyone is very genuine um, when you get past the, you know, like recruitment era or social media presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I love it. Not without its flaws and its fees and time commitments. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, it was really like seeing it in movies where I was like, I want to be a sorority girl. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would imagine that there are some people who are so put off by the idea. And and maybe there's other people who are like 
idealize it almost too much. Mm-hmm. But you were kind of right in the middle there. Like you, yeah. Were you skeptical? For at sure. First? Um, so sororities usually do like rush week, and you have like formal recruitment where all the sororities or all Greek life does like events for people that might want to join. Mm-hmm. Um, because I joined school in the spring, I missed that. So I basically just went to lunch with this girl and um, another like 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 these two sorority girls. And they asked me questions about my life to, like, get my vibe, I guess. And I asked them all those serious questions about our religious affiliations and our tolerance of, you know, minorities and all these things. You know, how much it's actually going to be. Um, things things that people don't want to uh, discover, yeah. unfortunately, later and have, uh-huh. have that come falling out. Yeah, for sure. Um and obviously, I was like, I know you're going to tell me that it's great no matter what, but I can, like, read your reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just decided to go for it. Um, I had a friend in high school that I, like, knew because we were in the same arts major, mm. but we didn't talk. She was a year older than me. And then I was walking on campus, and I was like, I like that girl's dress. And it was the girl that I knew from high school. So she's in my sorority also. Wow. And she's my big now um, because, you know, you have, like, a big and a little like your right. little family. Um, and yeah, we're besties. We watch True Blood every Monday after sorority meetings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. You got a thing. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So um, no disappointments then? No, I think that really once you're like in it, like, yes, it's very culty and there is like a kind of hierarchy and performance aspect of it. But the like image of a sorority being like, not only like projecting like hyper femininity and attractiveness, but also mm-hmm. like ranking people on that. Right. It doesn't really exist once you're like in it. Everybody kind of celebrates each other's like personality and femininity and all these things. And it's like, it's very much a sisterhood, very much a community. Um, and you've never been much of a joiner other than a couple things I can think of. Like you were in uh, roller derby. Yeah. And I played volleyball for yeah. a good number of years. Um, but I didn't have a lot of like clubs or things Club going stuff, on. Right. Um, and so I do really appreciate the, like, the, the social and community-based aspects of the sorority of Greek life in general. Um. But you feel like team stuff helped you kind of get in the mindset of. Yeah, for sure. That. Yeah. And I've always been a very social person. Nobody really expected me to join a sorority. Um, but nobody's also really like that surprised by it once I'm like talking. (laughs) (laughs) If you joined a church, I would be like startled. <laughs> yeah. But sorority, it's like, yeah, maybe you wanted to check that out and found out it was a cool thing for you. Yeah, for sure. It also, though, I mean, like, I'm not telling everybody to join a sorority. There are some downsides. Um, and it's really easy to make fun of. There's very much this, like, me and my friends all get ready to go to our meetings and we're like, God damn it, why are we doing this? This is stupid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it really is. It really is great. Yeah, I've known a few people, um, a couple of friends who were in fraternities who mm-hmm. didn't regret it, didn't dislike it. Um, once they were done with the humiliating initiation they went through. Yeah, so um, it's like illegal to haze in most states now. Right. Some of the frats that I will not name still do it, but it's very like soft hazing. Like I think I knew someone who had to like run and eat mayo at the same time. Ew. Um gross you might throw up but that's not like the worst thing that's happened hazing people um we didn't have hazing or any kind of like major thing you had to do 
Um, you just basically have to go to like educational meetings once a week for like two hours mm-hmm. and then take a test and a couple other things and like really commit. You have to like really sell that you want to do it. And then they're like, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> and then you get the robes and the daggers and uh-huh. sure, yeah. whichever animal you're going to sacrifice. Yeah. We said before, but I cannot like talk about any of the yeah. things because it's the so blood, secret. The bloodletting and the daggers and mm-hmm. the fires and all that. Yeah. There yeah. were nine of us that were going to be initiated and only eight of us made it. That's a fact. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Was it a sacrifice? I don't know. I knew a guy who part of his initiation was he and a bunch of other pledges had to crawl around like, uh, I don't know if they were supposed to be pigs hunting truffles or bloodhounds, but they had to (laughs) run through the whole fraternity house um, sniffing till they found the keg. Oh. And then they had to tap the keg. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know if they had to drink the whole thing. I imagine that would kill you uh, unless it was a pony keg, but it it was something like that. Yeah, so we don't have a sorority house. Um, Hawaii has the um, the brothel law, so any <laughs> it falls house falls under that somehow. Uh, any house that has eight or more girls is legally considered a brothel. Um, Weird. So we don't have a sorority house. We have some alums and some girls that, like live together, mm-hmm. um, and so we have our weekend events there sometimes so it's a meeting space that yeah, but it... we also are a dry sorority. Do you have to leave your door open and one foot on the floor if you go to bed stuff like that. <laughs> no <laughs> no um but yeah no sorority house which is a bummer because i would really want a sorority house it'd be so fun <laughs> um yeah unless you're in a horror movie apparently so did you have a fraternity me no no i knew i knew people who went to different colleges who who did pledge fraternities but no it's not something i would do i think the last thing i joined was scouts uh you know and i I was only in that for a few years yeah the frat culture isn't really in the boy scouts (laughs) no it's a different scene entirely best i could tell um when when this movie opens you've got uh, a a bunch of sorority sisters who obviously they're at the end of the academic year Mm -hmm. and they're talking about setting up and throwing the big shindig the big party I thought it was interesting that they do graduation instead of initiation. I expected it to be an initiation, like, horror movie. Yeah. Um, like, usually that would be the intro into something like this. Mm-hmm. But, um... This... I mean, they they pay, like, homage to it. Like, all their graduation fits are, like, white, which is a very initiation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a secret. Um, sorority girls in white dresses is pretty, pretty standard. Um... So, yeah, I thought that was interesting, but that they were, like, graduating was different. Yeah. Um, this, uh, of course, you, you haven't had an experience with the, the domineering house mother. No. Uh, or, you know, benevolent house mother, mm-hmm. whatever, because you, you're not in a No, but we you're have, not in a brothel. Um, <laughs> no, but we have an alum who um, lives with her mom, and we have, like, lunches and stuff over there sometimes. Yeah. So I know the general vibe. She's lovely, though. Um, we love her. Uh, she cooks us like home cooked meals, which is very rare when you live on campus. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Taco Bell. So much Taco Bell. <laughs> so bad. It's true blood and Taco Bell like every Monday and Thursday. <laughs> Haven't you found a good quote unquote plate, no. plate lunch place? No. You're familiar with the, it must've been styrofoam plates back in the day, but now it's all styrofoam boxes, but yeah, cause they um, still say plate lunch, but it's not on a plate. No, like universities now, especially when you 
like sign your contract for housing, you also have to sign a meal plan. Mm-hmm. So you have to eat on campus. Yeah. Um, and there's like a store that you can use like your meals at, but I don't know. You get tired of the cafeteria food very quickly. Um, and then it's and then it's Taco Bell time. Yeah. If you're me and my friends. <laughs> <laughs> It's awful. I'm not proud of it. I'm not. <laughs> and when you run for the border, you have to swim a thousand miles. And yeah. Then, yeah. Um, okay. So the, this one starts out, uh, you've got these seven sorority mm-hmm. sisters who are graduating and they're getting ready for the big party. Uh, you kind of felt like you knew them sort of um, as the movie started. Yeah. We don't have like a head bitch in charge, you know, like that trope. What, um, what is her name? Oh, it's a V. Vicky. Vicky. It's, we don't have one of those, really. We have a president, and she's great, and there are, like, heads of different, like, sections of things, but we don't have, like, one girl that, like, tells us what to do. That's trying to be alpha. Yeah. Not in our, like, sorority as a whole or my pledge class, like all the girls that I joined with. Um, she, she just seems to have a dominant personality rather than an official yeah. position. Yeah. Um, but... Like it, yeah, it was, it was very familiar. And I appreciated that, like, in the little montage that we got of them, like, getting ready and, like, yeah. doing their nails and their hair, it wasn't, like, overly sexualized or overly, like, I want to say, like, performative, you know? Like, what are they getting like, dressed up for, though? Is it for the grad- party? Uh, the pictures? I think it was, yeah, the pictures. Okay. Um, which is something you do. Um, yeah, we had, like, a sorority formal, and we were all getting ready for, like, weeks. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I did really appreciate that about this movie, that, like, it wasn't the, the like, crazy bimbo sorority, like, mean... Pillow fights and yeah. backstabbing and yep. all that ridiculous mm-hmm. stuff. There yeah. wasn't a lot of, like, sorority girls bashing each other or others. There was, like, a little bit, but, like, that's to be expected, I guess. Yeah, it was... And, like, any movie with, like, kind of flat female characters... Um, yeah, I definitely appreciated that. Yeah, a few of the characters did get some dimension to them. They weren't all mm-hmm. just 2D. Um, Jolien, when did you first see this? Uh, I saw it on videotape. Um, I, I saw the, because the poster image of the woman mm-hmm. kind of in front of a window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that had some no- notoriety during the Video Nasties campaign because it said, oh, this is a typical slash image woman in peril. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so I expected this to be really horrific and harsh. And uh, when eventually, you know, so I had to see all these films. And I saw, uh, when I saw it, I thought oh, it was pretty lame. Well, especially in the UK, it was, it was cut um, even further than it was in the US. Oh, wow. Uh, it was known as House of Evil mm-hmm. because we wouldn't know what a sorority was generally. Don't have any of those? Um so, uh, yeah, um, oh, but the poster was done by uh, Jack Linwood. Okay. Who, uh, he did Airport 77 poster and oh, Mid- yeah. Midway. And um, he did uh, he did a lot of box art for the Revel airplane kits. He did one of the posters for Jaws 2, not the one with the um, skier, the one with the, the fin gliding through the, the waves and it's all kind of reddish. Oh, cool. Uh, do you know Jaws? Yes, I know okay. Jaws. I haven't seen Jaws too. Uh, he also did the poster for Great White, which is a Jaws ripoff. Mm. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, uh, uh, I wasn't impressed by it. 
and then uh, yeah, but watching it again, uh, new edition, cleaned up and not cut, relatively speaking, um, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I quite liked this movie. It felt very much like a Friday the 13th or Halloween to me, but it had some like some things that I was watching. I was like, oh, that feels kind of new for like, all, you know, the 80s slashers I watch. Like some of the transitions between scenes, the coloring of like, especially like the end, mm-hmm. um, the silly little twist that they did with the killer, which you kind of see coming, but it's also like not, you know, super like, it's just a killer. Um random clown imagery like there were there were a lot of things where i was like oh that's like quirky and kind of new i like that um yeah yeah. it was it was checking some of the boxes for an 80s horror movie yeah and i kind of feel like this coming in the wake of the success of friday the 13th and um, maybe the people who wrote it and worked on it maybe uh, especially those who wrote it probably were thinking about diabolique Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He was definitely inspired by Diabolique. Uh, had to have been. I mean, but you know this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the use of the pool. And, yes. Um, Hard to miss. Use of the pool and then the body goes missing. It also resembles there's this uh, proto-slasher sorority horror movie came out in 1932 called <clears throat> 13 Women with Myrna Loy in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a sort of similar setup to that. Um, and it, it's also got parallels with uh, Black Christmas, of course. You know, mm-hmm. oh, sorority yeah. sisters about to go on holiday, and some of them staying. And uh, the uh, the mother is kind of the opposite of the one yeah. in this movie. She's she you know she's like <laughs> the alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've got this like Margot Kidder type character. I think she's called Diane in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's got lots of parallels with that as well. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt it's kind of um, it, you've got this director who wants to do this kind of Hitchcockian thriller, and then he's obliged to make it sort of more like Friday the Thirteenth yeah. at certain points because that's that was what was successful at the yeah. time. But he was he was about your age when really? he was making this film. He was in his early twenties, and uh, yeah, I, I was really impressed. Yeah, I was looking. The most popular sorority horror is Black Christmas, like by landslide but we'd already talked about that one and i wanted to find one that was like it it is really hard to find like feminist central sorority horror but this one what i had read is that a lot of people found that it was better to the female characters than other ones oh for sure um like for example it's like one of the only ones that mentions that like one of the girls has, like, been in law school and is getting, like, a law degree. Mm-hmm. Sorority girls often aren't given degrees or they're given, like, they want to be, like, I don't know, like, news anchors or flight attendants or, yeah. you know, things like fields that aren't dominated by men. Um, one of them here does want to be a flight Yes, there was one flight attendant, which, you know, but the mention of law school was cool. But nobody um, nobody in this one was trying to marry a doctor. Yeah. Right. Or any of that nonsense. Yeah. That were, no. So I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that they've got... You know, they, they're, they're on the cusp of, of making their decisions or they're already making yeah. their decisions about their, their careers and so on. So I like that. That's positive. Some agency. But sure. Yes. the premise of this movie is that they do something really bad. Yeah. So on the other hand, it's not such a good picture of a oh, bunch no, of women. Oh, no, for sure. Um, and, you know, you do get, like, the kind of, like, slutty sorority girl trope. Um, and We're you talking get... about Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> you get the like bimbo dumb blonde 
and you know like the the like final girl is more masculine and doesn't seem to buy into the whole sorority life that the rest of them do she's very much did, did on you the mean outside more masculine yes i did when you look at how they're dressed especially she's more uh i don't want to say mormon like conservatively dressed yeah, she dresses more like a mum. Uh-huh. and she she reads as a little more masculine i think like her hair is pretty much always up uh-huh. um but for me it's more that she's like on the outs with like the sorority girls to some extent like she doesn't seem to be like the rest of them are happy and she's like what are we doing you yeah, know? yeah and that is a common like thing where like the most likable character doesn't really like the sorority and it's like well she could also live and be a sorority girl, like, you know, and, like, doing the chant. Um, yeah, I thought that it definitely could have, like, done more for the feminist agenda <laughs> if it needed to. But as far as, like, sorority horror goes, what I was reading about, it seems like this one does more than some of the others. Yes, yes. Being made in 1982, it is <laughs> stunning that this has any feminist bent to it or mm-hmm gives the female characters the agency that it does. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the garbage that was coming out around this time, I mean, not not so much in horror as in comedy. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, the stuff that comedies would do. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah, jaw-droppingly This off- one offensive. reminded me to some degree of Slumber Party Massacre, which I really love and is pretty damn feminist. Yeah, that's definitely um, parody, isn't it? Yeah. It's good. So I think that like, Hi, doggy. <laughs> um, I it like reminded me of that in a much subtler way because, I mean, you look at the the cover of Slumber Party Massacre and it's obvious what it's trying to do. Um, but even that, like, I was watching this and thought of that says something because um, it goes beyond like being feminist. Just in like most of the characters are women, you know, like they're mm-hmm. most of them are dynamic characters um, to some degree. Again. 1982 or three or whatever um yeah i think also this movie scored some points with me for a unique weapon choice thought that was fun um kind of obvious but fun um yeah i'm, I'm looking at my notes is that supposed to the, the cane with the mm-hmm. sharp the, the sharp the bird with the sharp tail is that a parrot i assumed it was a parrot i didn't see it as a parrot <clears throat> I don't know, I just of, thought it was a bird. Yeah, so it's, it's a cane mounted with a, a metal bird and the, and the tail is sharp enough Very to pointy. be driven into a yeah. so is the end socket of it. or something. Yeah, and, yeah, and then there's some must be some kind of cane sword or something. There's, yeah, I think there's it's like just a like blade metal that comes on the out. end. Is I it? thought it was just metal on the end. Okay, it's and just like a spike. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I can't imagine you would walk around with that as your walking stick nope. and not hurt yourself frequently. <laughs> like, you've got to jam that thing into your palm or your oh, hip yeah, you'd or be, something. You'd be impaling your foot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, well, I would. <laughs> but I mean, the the hand part of it, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the cane top would be just dangerous to be near. Yes. It's, it's weird, like the stuff that you can, you know, see in a movie and just sort of let them have that. You know, we'll, we'll let them have that one that somebody might actually own this really sharp murderous cane yeah. yeah um so that that belongs to mrs slater mm-hmm. uh so the, the quick storyline is that these women are gonna do their photo they're gonna do whatever things for a couple days and then throw the big party whether slater likes it or not they're gonna throw the big party there at the house 
but again, she's the domineering house mother and is, you know, she becomes aware of it and says, you're not doing that here. And well, they s- she, uh, every June 19th, which is the, and this is the 20th anniversary of the opening. Yes, the opening backflash. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Flashback. Uh, every June 19th, she wants the house cleared so she can do something at the house, which yeah. you don't find out until much later. Until later, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're given we're we're treated to this flashback where uh, some character is um, having a problematic birth that they're giving, mm-hmm. and uh, there's some doctor character who's yeah. going to do something for her to Dr. help. Doctor Nelson Beck. Beck, yes, Doctor Beck is going to help the situation. We don't know how it turns out. And it's and he says it's the last time he'll do this, and he's obviously been treating women with something illegal that he shouldn't be mm-hmm. um so it's uh, kind of echoes of the thalidomide drugs of the 60s which caused um you know deformities and mm-hmm. um developmental developmental disabilities that kind of thing yeah so uh we're to assume this is some of that which uh we find out in a mrs Voorhees sort of way slash jason Voorhees sort of yes. way it uh, also reminded me of The Boy. Have you seen that yeah. movie? The right, more recent right. one. Right. With Brahms. The Man in the Walls. Yeah. So does this obviously borrow heavily from Friday the 13th as well as Diabolique? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, there was one Friday the 13th in particular that it really reminded me of, and I can't remember which one it was because I watched them like all at once. Yeah. Um, but it like was, I think, like maybe the third or fourth one. Um, so I don't know if the timeline matches up for that, but there were moments where I was like, this reminds me exactly of one of the Friday the 13th. Well, this one would have only been predated by one Friday the 13th, I believe. I could be wrong. Okay. Or maybe two. Would two have come out by now? Yeah. Okay. So they had the the first two to deal with. So you, Mm -hmm. you had absent Jason until the end of the movie. Yeah. Then he jumps out of the water as a little boy, Mm -hmm. very deformed. Yes. That Jason. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was Sackhead Jason. Yes. Okay. It's definitely Ski Mask Jason. So it's okay. later. So then it would have postdated. Be 83. Yeah. yeah. That would have been 83 and later. Okay. So this one doesn't borrow from that. Okay. But it definitely does borrow from Friday the 13th period. Yeah. Yeah. We got the, yeah, like matronly and very mean. Yeah. Jolene, can you think of anything with the person living in the attic, living in the walls kind of thing? Well, Black Christmas. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it does. And she she's got the she's got the rocking chair in front of the window. Yeah. There's toys uh, yeah. in the attic. You know, some, some secrets been hidden away in the attic. Toys in the attic is a the, metaphor the, for being insane. Yeah, and also I, so, I don't know. I was talking about this recently with some of my friends. How like when we're we're told as like young women that if you hear like babies crying at night, like don't go outside no. to see because you might get kidnapped and they're playing on like the maternal instinct. And I was talking about how like in movies, often you'll get the like ball rolling out of the dark Mm -hmm. and that suggests like a childishness and a playfulness. Mm -hmm. And then when, you know, you see like more of the toys. So I was thinking about like, this is a stretch, but I was thinking about how like it's a cast of women and the trope, like one of the tropes that's present is like children's toys. It's just an interesting choice. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, That ball rolling thing. So it's used in The Changeling, it's used in James Wan does it all mm-hmm. the time. Crimson Peak is the most recent thing that I've really seen it yeah. in. So so all those movies are like quoting from this Italian director called Mario Bava, named okay. Mario Bava. 
Um, but he, he originally did that gag back at this mid-60s movie called Kill Baby Kill. Uh, Operaziani Paura, I oh. think. Um, yeah, that does that exact gag mm-hmm. with the ball rolling out of nowhere. Yeah. And then with, like, the the music, and then you see, like, more of the toys later. And the whole clown imagery, which um, our final girl, she has, like, a painting of a clown in her room, which is weird already. <laughs> for sorority girl, I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm going to generalize. That is a weird thing for sorority girl to have. You know, that um, might have been something from a parent and they they just want okay i'll take it with me and put it in my room right yeah they have all those inspirational posters of kittens and branches and stuff yes. like that don't mm-hmm. they? oh in... and they had a water bed that for me was yes. like i was like not the water bed. isn't that weird like she gets this water bed from her father yes just as she's about to leave the house that is weird yeah i don't know well did you give her a piano and a pool table too while you were at it <laughs> <laughs> things that come with the house when you sell it <laughs> Beds. Uh. Not water beds, but <laughs> but pianos and pool tables. Yeah, yeah. There's always the new the the person buying the house is usually excited to get a pool table. Yay! And the people selling the house are like, I'm not taking that damn thing with me. Mm-hmm. It stays. We carried that into the basement once. I'm not carrying it back out. <laughs> yeah. So um, the story, the way it goes, mm-hmm. of course, is that um, <clears throat> the um. Uh, the one woman, uh, what was it, Vicky? Vicky, yeah. Is out with her kind of uh, loser, sort of weirdo Ricky. boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vicky and Ricky. Uh, and he um, seems to just like bring in a gun with him. And... Yeah, that was weird. She was like expecting it too. She's like, can I see it? I was like, what? Yeah, it was weird. Right? Well, she, she wants to, she, she's got this thing planned. Well, she wants to use this uh, gun. Yeah, that's right. She's already planning the thing. This didn't just occur to her out of nowhere. So yeah, she wants the prank the, the, that occurred. I think she wants to learn how to use the gun from him. Okay, I, I couldn't, but I also just let that go. I was like, I, I don't think so. No, I felt like it was because the, the, the prank, prank was, was after the waterbed. Right, it, I it was more spontaneous. Yeah, I just like looked at. I was like, why is the gun here? Why are we jumping in the seat? And then I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, well, I don't it's, know. There's, it's not the only plot hole in this movie. Yeah, there's a couple. <laughs> there's a couple big ones. Yeah, because that would be like, hurry, run and get some of those blanks for your gun. That Why would you have blanks if you enjoy shooting a gun? Right. Unless you enjoyed pranking with it or filming little movies with it i mean there's no there's no real reason or starting races with it you know right. why why would you have blanks it just seems strange but anyway uh, she's really good at using it she is mm-hmm. she seems pretty skilled right off of only just having learned yeah i thought that the transition between her shooting the gun to the champagne popping yeah, with a... the girls i was like that was good and i did not <laughs> expect that from like an 80s movie i guess not that transitions weren't like invented until like the 90s or something but I'm used to it kind of just like fading to black, you know. Yeah. Especially in slasher, like I don't know. I liked that. Oh yeah, there's, there's good there's good things in this. Yeah. So um, once once the uh, once the uh, uh, sex scene is interrupted with the the cane slashing the waterbed and all that weirdness, um, she's gonna get even. Mm-hmm. So Vicky has got. She's quickly formulated, or has already been. A very weird prank. Yeah. There were, and they listed some other popular ones. There are so many other ways to yeah. prank an old woman. Other yeah. than being like, swim. 
To make or a, die. You know, take away a cane and make her swim. Yeah, right? In a polluted pool. Right? It's yeah. very weird. <laughs> and they put it on, you know, th- this is before you could buy cool pool toys. Mm-hmm. This is when you, you might likely have a crappy black rubber inner tube. That yeah. might be your inner tube. Uh, and maybe it was just like a weird red herring, but Vicky seemed like kind of crazy in the moment. Hmm. Also, like to me, she seemed like, I was like, oh, is something going on there? And then it wasn't. She like didn't mean to, I guess, but that could have been something, I guess. Now, did you find it weird that they, they all got on board with the plan to, well, if we just hide the body, we can have our party? Um, morally, I found it weird, yes. Oh. Narratively, no, because these girls are all about to go off to like like their lives, you know? Yeah. Like, they have a lot riding on this, and then when you hear them all arguing, it's like, yeah, of course they do something stupid. Yeah, one person did the horrible thing, and everyone else did the stupid thing, mm-hmm. which was also sort of horrible. Yeah. They're not as horrible as scaring... I don't think it was that they, like, were like, let's get rid of the body so we can have a party. I think it was that so they didn't go to jail, yeah. and they just happened to have a party the next day. <laughs> yeah, the party was coming. Right. And they couldn't put it, they couldn't cancel it, because then they'd have to explain why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the trucks are already coming with all the food and decorations. Yeah. And, and a yeah. boy band, which was nice because you have, again, very like, yeah. obviously, it's like men performing <clears throat> for like a female celebration. Hell yeah. Get them. Get them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You look for where it is. You, you read into things. Did, right. <laughs> did you look into this band at all? Did you read no. the credits with... The... Oh, although I did read about how the credits will say, like, like that one guy, the pig, his credit just says, like, pig, and then, like, the actor's name. Yeah. Love to see that. But I'm, I didn't read the band. I'm a sea pig. Yeah, yeah. Uh, four out of five doctors. Yeah, that's the band name. <laughs> so there's this vaguely Rod Stewart-looking lead singer. He kind of looks like he belongs in sticks, but he went and got Rod Stewart's haircut. I don't know. <laughs> Cheaper trick cheaper trick there that's should have been their name but they were uh it says on wikipedia if you're to believe this uh they're a washington dc based power pop band four out of five doctors uh they released uh an lp in 1980 produced by alan winstanley and a second lp in 1982 they toured the united states extensively and apparently had a cult following I don't know if I believe that. I don't think they were just a pop band. They're in another <laughs> horror movie called uh, The Bogeyman. Really? Uli Lumel. Yeah, 1980. Interesting. Um, yeah, they... Uh, let's see. They toured... I'll just give you a quick rundown mm-hmm. here. They toured with Hall & Oates, uh, Richie Blackmore, and Pat Travers. Uh, they opened for The Clash, The Cars, Cindy Lauper, Steppenwolf, Jim Carroll, and others. Wow. I mean, that's... You know, cool. if, if you're going to be an opening act, open for some people who yeah, they're, matter. They're a very proficient band. I mean, I, I'm not into the sort of thing they do, but <laughs> they seem to be good at it. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I've seen worse movie uh, movie bands from this period. Yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, New Year's Evil, that band that, that was in that. They're, they're pretty terrible. Uh, so, um, yeah, they got the yeah, party, the, they got the band. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the sister of one of the crew had been to see them and liked them, so they got recommended. Nice. Well, that's pretty cool. No, I mean, uh, sorry. They got some work. Yeah. With, like, the party scene, she's also going, the main character is, like, going on a blind date with some dude. 
I thought that was really weird. First of all, to a really important party. To a really important party, and she's leaving like tomorrow. Yeah. They, it was just all really weird. I think they just needed another character to like accidentally get shot later. I I don't know what that was. To yeah. me, he felt like a huge plot hole. And then again, like reading into things, I was like, in a lot of horror, you have one useless, scantily clad woman, and so maybe that's what he is to this movie. Right. Mm, Probably maybe. not, but I choose to believe. Uh, I saw him as this kind of. Uh, you usually get the hunky guy who's going to rescue her at the end, yeah. but he's this okay. doofus who charges in at the end and gets tranked immediately. <laughs> <laughs> that works also. I like that as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, but all the men in this. Are, just do five. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. grown. They're the the child men. You know that. You know he he immediately gets in the tricycle weather. And... Well, this is 1982, so that was pretty accurate, I would say. So a number of them are yeah, frat guys. Not, not like so. today when when men are mature and yes. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, got their shit together and everything is all cool. Um, what I did find weird is that these three guys decide they're going to go out and strip down to uh-huh. their their ill fitting. White underwear, uh-huh. and, and they're gonna jump in this pool. Terrible, this, gross pool. This really gross pool. So, would you have a pool left like that in somewhere? This is short in Maryland, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's what they're implying. So imagine, you know, you'd have to drain that because it, the mosquitoes. For mosquitoes, one thing. yeah. Yeah, it, it would. It would be frozen in winter. It would be a mosquito haven in in the warm months. Yeah. Um, it was a nice green color, though. I appreciated the contrast. Oh, they really like, took a lot of time over getting cool. that green right. They did. Yeah. I, I got to think that wouldn't somebody just say, hey, look, Mrs. Slater or Ms. Slater, um, we're going to just hire someone to to get this pool sorted out and we're going to enjoy it the whole time we're here, yeah. whether, you know. Yeah. Whether you want us to put our money toward it or not, we're going to just do it. Mm-hmm. I think somebody would just be like, oh, you were gone for the weekend and we fixed up the pool and now Probably we... in real life, yes. Yeah. <laughs> because why would you have that outside the house and just mm-hmm. let it go to hell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems crazy. I mean, I mean, if she had it drained or forbid them to use it or something, that would in real life maybe be a thing. But this just like... what That water isn't there from when? <laughs> yeah. From when exactly? From, from, from the great winter, flood. the snow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it from the rain and flood? Yeah, and the snow and yeah. Um, yeah. So I would have also loved an explanation for the clown thing. I keep coming back to the clown thing because it was like nicely refreshing. I wasn't just like, oh, it's a masked killer. I was like, it's a freaking clown. Interesting. Why so was he, it a clown? It, so the, the full-sized costume is that was, exactly like the Jack in the Box Yeah, clown. and that was a nice little, like, because you see the full-size when she's, like, in there ready to, like, get him, and you're like, that's that's him. And yeah, it yeah. it turns out to be him, so, like, good, good a little bit. on the nose, but I was like, yeah, it's like, that's a good one. But they do set it up ahead of time to where you just see the costume hanging there, and you're like, okay, yeah. I, see, I see that costume hanging there. It's a full-size costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when later when you see it and it looks up and starts to move, then you're like supposed to be oh, yeah. startled then, by that. And then the the end, the total cliffhanger ending where he's like laying there dead after mm-hmm. being killed with a doll. Or is he? Yeah, and his eyes open, but it's in the mask, so it's creepy. It's like that nice, very nicely done there. We only see him for a moment to see that he's deformed. Yeah. That looks like a, is that another Halloween mask? I, it, it looks like a yeah. stooge or something. <clears throat> I know, I read very sloth from the Goonies. Yeah, but well, I think maybe that... they thought 
the camera wouldn't really pick it up, so they just s- spent less money by just putting a mask on him. Okay. Giving that, him that's some my crazy guess. hair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I've read that he was supposed to be like incredibly deformed, which is a whole issue like villainizing like physical deformities. Yeah. Welcome to horror movies. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like oh, like every time you win you're like, "Oh, also." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got uh well, Two out of the the three main slasher characters, the main slasher villains from the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, have uh, damage or deformity. Yep. So, yeah, it's it's kind of to be expected mm-hmm. in this genre. But, uh, um, Jolien, did you feel like the like the uh, the peril and and the you know the story of the women getting picked off and <clears throat> the murders? Did you feel like and the other murders that happened. Um, did you feel like it moved along like it should for a slasher, or did you think the timing was um, I think, off? Again, this is a movie where he's trying to make a, a thriller uh, like uh, and build up suspense, but then this slasher stuff is imposed on him, so there's this, about half an hour in, someone must have said, hey, it's half an hour in, we should have a kill. So you get this random guy, turns up muttering about squirrels. Yeah. And he stumbles upon someone who's like draining out Mrs. Slater's stuff from the pool. Yeah. And uh, he gets he gets knocked off. That was shot after the production. And uh, apparently, what what they uh, you know a lot of the uh, the um, additional murders and uh, effects footage was done in in uh, uh, the director's parents' garden <laughs> uh, after the production mm-hmm. um, to make it more like a slasher. Yeah, um, I can actually see that though. When you mentioned like Hitchcock thriller type of thing, like the pace makes a lot more sense then. Yeah, so I I, I think it would have worked better without it if they if he could have pulled off that Hitchcock in suspense mm-hmm. better. Um, but but this guy uh, that there was this like local special effects uh, um, workshop in Los Angeles that he knew, and there's this one guy from there, and that's that. He, he plays the, uh, he's billed as like a murdered guest <laughs> in the credits. Uh, he is one of the technicians in this special effects place and, and they happen to have made this head cast of him so it was all ready to go so they didn't have to spend much money on it. So, yeah. so they, oh. they stuck it in. So well, There you go. Is I thought that, the Vicky did... had the best death. It was the most yeah. visual. She had the most bloodiest. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, death. that's what I'm used to seeing. Yes. Um, a random but, decapitation but then, also. Yeah, she gets she gets like the cane in her eye and then mm-hmm. the very next time you see her lying in the grave, she, she's restored. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, that might have been some out-of-sequence business. Yeah, there. yeah. Again, was, the, the bloody bit was probably done afterwards. And... And, and they're figuring on teens being the audience for mm-hmm. this, which um, I was at the time and I did go see this in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do remember the... Being impressed by the head in the the severed head in the uh-huh. toilet. Yeah, there's no sight of that in the British one. Oh, of course not. <laughs> no. You were you were in the midst of video nasties, and and we weren't into um, parents being freaked out yet. Uh, you know the whole satanic panic and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, that one looked really good mm-hmm. as far as you know severed yeah, heads and cool. toilets go. Sure, yeah. it, was, it was one of the better ones. Yeah. And um, I did appreciate also that. That once our uh, once our final girl is drugged, 
she starts to see really weird hallucinations. I like the hallucinations. It reminded me of Carnival of Souls because I've watched that recently mm-hmm. with like yeah. the people popping up. Um, I thought that our final girl wasn't a really great final girl. She doesn't really like do anything except not get picked off until last. Um, yeah, she doesn't really make a stand like you'd expect a yeah, final girl or you'd to. Yeah, hope. Like, I watched. I was like, kind of could have been anybody. Well, she lures him up to the attic, and then yeah, she's ready to go it's with the gun. Kind of like a last resort. I don't know. I feel like part of maybe the like slower pace is I expected faster kills earlier, and then more of her like fighting, and it was a little more spread out than that, which is fine. But as far as like final girls like making a stand, it was pretty, pretty backseat. Yeah, I like how she knows that if she pops the head mm-hmm. off this doll, that there's going to be a blade. Yeah, what the hell was that? <laughs> was it just standard for dolls back then? I guess so. Well, yeah, it was the '80s. You know, most of the toys were you had hidden daggers in them. I wanted to know what happened with the bird, the dead bird in the cage. Yeah. Yeah. Was was just this bloody inside very the creepy. cage? Yeah. And I think that was, it was like just creepy. They just threw that in there for creep factor. They're like, they there's didn't... a lot of toys, but I think we need something creepier. It's not yeah. a dead bird. Yeah. It was weird that they just chose that to be a thing that would be in the attic. Mm-hmm. I thought that they threw out the like red herring that like maybe... She, the house mother, I can't remember her name. Slater. Yes, maybe she was just crazy. And I kind of liked that better. I would have liked it if they had, like, thought it was this, like, random killer. And then it was just that she's crazy. But maybe that would have been to Friday the 13th. And not, like, slashery enough. Maybe that would be leaning toward the thriller too much. Um, But I liked that angle. Because if they found all the things for, like, this kid's room... Even though, and the doctor, like, he'd be an adult now. Maybe he did this. And then it was, like, just her. He'd be like, oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> so did you know that um, in the uh, the director intended it to end with uh, Katie being dead or, yeah. or being survived, but obviously in the clutches of the film? Yeah. I did read somewhere that, like, there was an alternate ending that was overridden for ratings. Um, but I didn't know if that was it. Yeah, he did. Uh, he did uh, an ending where um, it's the next morning, and the police have turned up, and they're, they're pulling the bodies out of the pool, and there's one in a clown costume. Oh. And when it turns over, it's Kate. Oh shit! I would love that. And then he also did. Uh, he wrote a, uh, an ending where she's being wheeled through a hospital, oh. hospital in a wheelchair, and then it, it tilts up, and the person pushing the wheelchair is Eric. Okay. Hmm. Okay, bangers. I like that. But the the producers said it was too downbeat and they wanted to leave it open for a sequel, sequel. possibly, yeah. I don't know why I didn't get a sequel because this did really well. It got a remake in 2009. Yeah, which I forget Sorority almost Row. completely apart from Carrie Fisher as the mother. Yes. I completely blanked on the rest oh, of it. Oh, that's weird. That... <laughs> Why? Uh, this had a budget of four hundred and twenty-five thousand. Okay. And made ten point six million. Yeah, it did pretty well for yeah. itself. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when you when you don't put a ton of money into something and you end up making ten million plus on top of that. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> they they're almost certainly going to make a sequel. Mm-hmm. And weird that they didn't. Yeah, I I I can't figure. Um, it was an independent production. Yeah. I think maybe it would have been the pacing thing. I think that maybe it doesn't read 
super 80s slasher in the most exciting way. Like, I kept taking breaks to, like, go make lunch. Okay. But I was into it, but I was also just like, this isn't what I thought it would be. Um, so, I don't know. If, but, else, but also, if it was really popular and made a lot of money, that's weird. Yeah, I mean, people weren't talking about it like crazy, but... It was the number one movie in its second week. Yeah, I mean, it, that would have been the right time for, like, ooh, a horror movie. No matter what it was, everyone would go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when things came out on rental, there'd be rows of stuff you'd already seen, and then, oh, something new. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about this, or, oh, I saw that. Either way, you're going to rent it Yeah. If, if you're into horror movies. So, it, yeah, I could see it having its success, you know, later as a rental as well. I, I don't have any information on that, but... Um, did we find out what that medical alert fob on the bracelet? <laughs> life from... alert before life alert. Oh, wait, she, so she picks it up from, uh, I think it's Jeannie yeah. getting mm-hmm. dragged away. Uh, and it's fallen off of uh, what turns out to be Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she calls the number and it's the number for Dr. Nelson Beck, who turns out to be the worst person you could call. <laughs> right. Because he's yeah. trying to cover up the secret. So, you're gonna die. So then he yeah. <laughs> uses Kate as a as bait, and he he's got her drugged up, and she figures out that because he's trying to cover up the secret, she's gonna be next. Yeah. Um, so she gets away and takes care of the killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have to say though that uh, the the critical response on this one, um, you uh, is is a bit mixed. For the most part, um, you know, I think people knew that it was what it was. Yeah. You know, I don't think you're going to get, again, like, are Siskel and Ebert going to be like, ooh, I'm surprised that this was a slasher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although I do appreciate that the cover has nothing to do with the movie. I I read a few uh, British reviews, um, and they picked up on it being uh, trying to do Hitchcockian stuff, and Mm -hmm. they liked some of the touches, like there's that... Uh, there's that pan shot across the party where it picks up on yeah, the women looking yes, guilty. Yes, I loved that. Really good. I thought that was really dynamic. I didn't expect yeah. something like that. Not that, again, that 80s movies aren't dynamic, but they're 80s slashers for... Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lower-budget movie. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. And they picked up on him having worked with Brian De Palma, uh, and, the, and the cinematographer also worked with De Palma on this. When, when they were students, they worked mm-hmm. on his home video, home movies film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, the cinematography is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. Um, Again, like the last 15 minutes, the like coloring and the hallucinations. Mario Barber touches. So cool. Yeah. Um, one of the positive reviews was Kevin Thomas of, uh, the LA times, uh, said the film was a skillfully made horror picture that builds suspense and terror in which the obligatory gore is presented with surprising restraint. Mm-hmm. Which I would say that's fair to say because yeah. this could have been, you know, just one of those movies that just went all out with the gore just for the sake of gore. And right. it didn't yeah. do that. Um, Especially for sorority horror, it seems like there's a number of them that's just like women in their underwear getting absolutely beaten to death. And it's right. like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> yeah. The stalk and slash movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Um, the Daily Press. uh writer named Henry Edgar echoed this sentiment saying that the film uh, favors suspense over gore Mm -hmm. and uh, called it a quality thriller. So, you know, we got some stuff where, um, you know, some 
some critics actually saw it for what it was, but saw the good in it. You know, the, the, the talent and the skill that was in it. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, you're always going to get the detractors who essentially don't like anything horror in the first place. So they're going to try and poke it full of holes no matter what. Mm-hmm. But this only has um, a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, which that's based on 10 reviews. So that, yeah. that, that tells you nothing. But um, I looked up on Letterboxd, you can make like lists of like movies mm-hmm. or whatever. And I looked for like sorority horror and on multiple peoples of like top 10, this was like solidly number two, Black Christmas being number one. Um, so yeah, yeah definitely I, went with that. And I'd I agree with that. I think as far as like sorority movies go too, like it didn't poke a lot of fun at hyper femininity. It didn't poke a lot of fun at sorority girls themselves or about their sex lives or things like that. Like there were a couple moments where it was like, ah, a trope. But it wasn't like, haha, stupid, <laughs> you know, like as an audience, you weren't like laughing at the main characters necessarily as much as you would be in like other media with sorority girls. Yeah, the, the only one that's coming for some stick is Morgan for her yeah. line of uh, you know, <laughs> the famous line. Yes. How do we know she is alive? <laughs> um, that one got used in that. There's this uh, podcast I used to listen to. I think it's finished now called uh, Attack of the Queer Wolf. And they use that. They they did this like a, a sort of dance mix for their theme tune, and that's the that's the sample they use. <laughs> nice, yeah. She was a running joke, but that's okay. You gotta have at least one, I guess. This gets mentioned in Scream Two. Really? Yeah. Oh, because Scream Two, yeah, it does start with the sorority house. Yeah, it, um, it mentions uh, this one as long as well as uh, the dorm that dripped blood. Splatter University, Graduation Day, and Final Exam. There's a couple that I'm wanting to watch. I'll probably watch the remake at some point, but after looking into these and seeing, like, the esteemed opinions of people online, um, <laughs> I'll probably watch a couple more. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you gotta kiss a lot of frogs, right? Yeah, right. Um, the, this one was, uh, in 2017, um, Complex named House and Sorority Row as the 21st best slasher film of all time, saying that it was uh, fortunately more than a puberty motivator for young boys, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny because, yeah, I think your your audience is just a bunch of, you know, whoever can get in to a PG movie, 13, mm-hmm. 14 years old, whatever the age cutoff is, through probably early 20s. Mm-hmm. But it's a bunch of teenage boys going to these things typically and you know some people on dates i suppose (laughs) but um uh, quentin tarantino included this film in his inaugural film fest in 1997 uh screening it alongside other horror films such as don't go in the house and the beyond okay so it's gotten some recognition yeah that'd be a good night out yeah don't go in the houses I don't really know that one very um, well. That's one of those that that's kind of sleazy and makes you feel dirty so, for watching. Of course, Tarantino put it on his little watch list. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure he had some stammering, stumbling, fast-talking explanation for why. Yeah, it's like I just really like this one. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, this this one, um, you were you were good to pick this. I, yeah. I think, yeah. I did my research. <laughs> that was helpful. That was helpful. Yeah, I've had this in the back of my mind to do a rewatch. It's been a long time since I've seen it mm-hmm. and couldn't remember how much I liked it, you know, how well I liked it and yeah. how, how skillfully done it might have been or might not have been. So this was really great to revisit. Yeah. yeah, and next time I'm on, I might have a 
short review of the the remake so we'll see oh yes you have to remind me oh yeah <laughs> so uh as far as the recommends go Julian. yeah yeah cool. oh yeah and of course ziggy for sure yeah yeah, it was a it was a lucky pick, you know. That you're like, oh, out of all these, what are we gonna do? This one sounds like yeah. the closest, the best. Yeah, and I agree. It's it's a recommend, and I think that anyone who's expecting just you know gallons and gallons of blood, you know, don't go into this expecting that, but you'll get some of it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the suspense makes up for it. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's a fun one. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. Jolien. No. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for listening. 